Today, 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 everything changes for you. There is absolutely nothing any of us can do to change our past. But please know that your decision to join us in the purity of our praise unto God today definitely changes your future. St. Peter United decrees that you are worthy, you are loved, you are accepted, and you have a purpose. We're so glad that you have joined us today. We have been praying for you, we have been waiting for you, and we want you to join us and helping to become the leading church for people that are living on purpose. Amen? Amen? Our scripture reading today comes to us from Isaiah. Isaiah 43, 19. Isaiah 43, 19. I'll be reading from the New Revised Standard Version. Scripture says, I am about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? The prophet says, God says, I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Today we are discussing perceiving the new. Perceiving the new. Uh, let us pray. Gracious God, give us the eye of the eagle. Help us to see into all of our hopes, joys, fears, and sorrows. Collectively weave our hands to the gospel plow and tie our tongues to truth. Come, thou fount of every blessing. Tune all of our hearts to sing your grace. Let us hear from you the still speaking, ever-living God in our midst. This is our prayer in Christ's name. Amen. Well, we are at that time of year where we are at Back to Church, Back to School Sunday. So for those of you that have been living hot girl, hot boy summer, it will still be hot tomorrow and next Sunday, but it is time to be back in church. And I'm so excited that later we will get to bless our backpacks, and then we will also uh, have a count for you next week on how many uniforms we're purchasing and how many teachers we are going to be able to help. So we look forward to having that for you next week. So this week, we're talking about perceiving the new. God is moving us to something new. God is moving us to something new. Isaiah 43 is in the middle of 1st Isaiah and 2nd Isaiah. That 1st Isaiah, they are going through a lot of struggle. They're going through a lot of pain. They've been carried off into a, into a foreign land. Many of you that have been here for a while, you've heard about this. Right? And then in Isaiah 2, they are kind of in transition. The prophet is speaking to them and getting them to see that there is something new that God is going to do. Then if you jump to Isaiah 3, you have scriptures like Isaiah 58, 12 that says, you will be the restorer of streets to live in. You will be the rebuilder of your ancient ruins. 
So you go from a word that is talking about Isaiah 1, that is saying, woe be it unto you, something bad is going to happen, to God is about to do something new, to God is now doing something new in Isaiah 3. If we take that timeline and spread it out, it crosses many, many generations. But the word that God has for us today is we have to take that timeline and squeeze it down and understand that we are, as we are preparing to go back to church, back to school, looking for transitions in life, looking for new jobs, trying to figure out relationships, buying new homes, moving forward with your life, you are now in Isaiah 43, and the word of God for us today is, I am about to do something new. Do you not perceive it. But what holds us back? What holds us back from the new? I've preached this before, but I'll bring it back because some of you have not heard it. One of the things that holds us back from the new is the fog. The fog. Anybody remember the fog? Anybody remember the fog? Fear, obligation, and guilt. We're afraid of stepping into something new because we have grown comfortable in the condition that we're in. The job that you may in, be in that you are not happy with, that you are unsatisfied with, you're probably not going to look for anything new because you are afraid. The church that you're at that you're not satisfied with, you're probably not going to look for anything new because you're afraid. The friends that you have, that you've had since you were in high school, you're probably not going to lean into anything new because you are afraid of the new. We also get obligated, obligated to people, places, and things that we don't need to be obligated to, obligated to things where we don't owe anybody anything, but yet and still we choose to stay in the fog, in the obligation, refusing to step into the new. What about the guilt? The guilt of I'm going to hurt somebody. The guilt of if I live my life, people are going to think that I'm selfish. If I try to do something better for myself, people are going to have a very, very bad opinion about me. So instead of moving out of the fear, obligation, and the guilt, as God is trying to move us into something new, we stay. We don't transition. We don't move. Or what about the lack? The lack. The assumption that there is not enough. There is not enough opportunity. There is not enough money. There is not enough grants. There is not enough members. There is not enough friends. There is not enough whatever it is. And so because we have a mindset of lack, we refuse to step into the newness that God is offering. Lack says that we have to be like somebody else. Lack says that we have to try to replicate what somebody else is doing. Lack says that we can't be a pastor or a preacher because Leslie is occupying that space in Houston. Lack says that there is no other opportunities for me, so I have to stay in a place when I know I need to be moving on. The other thing that holds us back is not believing that we are worthy of something new, of something different, 
of something better. This is what my mama had. This is what I'm going to have. I've been an hourly worker all my life. I want something different, but this is all I can do. So this is what I'm going to stay with. We don't believe that we are worthy of the newness that God is bringing. Or how about this one? We don't feel worthy of change. We fear the change. We want to stay comfortable. It is much easier to be the victim. Than to own your part in the situation. It is much easier to continue to move through life, not changing, not wanting to do anything different because your victimology that you have created has said, I'm always a victim, everybody's always wrong, men are evil, women are horrible, the gays are going, I don't know, you name it. The refusal of leaning into anything that is new and blaming everything else that's happening in your life on everything and everybody else. When you, I almost did a sermon, I almost said something about the receipts. When there are receipts, I am. When there are receipts, when there are receipts that there are things that need to be changed and shifted, what do you do? What do you do? A refusal to change. But here's what John 16, 7 through 8 says. John 16, 7 through 8 says, but very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. So we have been taught that the Holy Spirit is a comforter, that the Holy Spirit is an advocate. But that's not all that this scripture is saying that the Holy Spirit is. This scripture is saying that the Holy Spirit is also an agitator for change. If it is that the Holy Spirit proves the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment, then the Holy Spirit then is an agitator for change. The Spirit is an agitator for change. You've been frustrated about the tension. You've been mad about what you're going through. You've been praying folks out of your life. You've been trying to pray people into your life. You've been trying to pray in a new job, pray that the conditions will change. But the Holy Spirit is an agitator for change. It is the Holy Spirit that is convicting you to say it is time to either go or grow. You don't have to stay in just one place. You can either grow or go, the Holy Spirit is saying, I'm going to agitate and create tension and create chaos. And through that tension and chaos, you have to figure out, are you going to grow or are you going to go? 
go or are you going to grow? In friendships, in the jobs, in other relationships that are tempting you, in the places that you have been, are you going to go or are you going to grow? I'll tell you, as a pastor, this is a decision, a choice that comes up quite frequently. Are you going to go or are you going to grow? <laughs> which one, which one, which one is? Thank you, Dennis. Are you going to go or are you going to grow? Because in a community like this, we all have to figure out and work through our stuff. And it just gets so damn messy. It just gets so messy. But together, are we going to go? Or are we going to grow? Those of you that are teachers that are preparing to go back to school, you know exactly what I'm talking, with, talking about. It's a hot mess right now, trying to figure out people taking curriculum out of the classroom and doing all kind of crazy stuff and, 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 and banning books and, and teachers getting fired and libraries getting closed. There's a whole lot of change that is happening. But I'll circle back and say, there are receipts on your life, there's receipts on my life, and we too are involved in whatever chaos and conflict that is ensuing. Are we gonna go or are we gonna grow? Let me read you this, this quote from Parker Palmer. He says, as often happens on the spiritual journey, we have arrived at the heart of a paradox. Each time a door closes, the rest, the rest of the world opens up. All we need to do is to stop pounding on the door that just closed. turn around, which puts the door behind us, and welcome the large, largesse of life that now lies open to all source, souls. The door that closed kept us from entering the room, but now what lies before us is the rest of reality. Now what stands before us is the rest of reality. Teachers, students, no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, the doors that have been closed, the doors that you have been knocking on, the path that you have been trying to go down, it may not be the path or the door that you need to go through. God is saying, do you not perceive it? I want to do something new. You have been stuck and stuck. You have been stuck in the familiar. You have been trapped in what is comfortable, but I want to do something new. That door that you keep banging on is a sign that you believe in lack and you don't believe in the abundance of God, the fullness of God, the wholeness of God, the richness of God, the prosperity of God. And so are you going to stay at the door and knock 
or are you going to turn around and step into the fullness that God has for you? When opportunities close, it's just something, it's, it's a time and a chance to say that there is something better and more meaningful for you. Somehow, some way, can we go or will we grow? What I like about Isaiah 43, 19, is that it, it's one of those scriptures in which if you do a parallel set of it, put it side by side, you get to see the language and how it, how it changes. In the New International Version, it says, because of the Hebrew, because English never gets it, nobody ever knows how to get it <laughs> quite right. But there's two different ways of understanding this Hebrew. I won't get into the different linguistic styles, but, it, it, but you get, you'll get this. The NIV says, I am doing a new thing. I am doing a new thing. I'm in the midst of doing. It is active and it is currently happening. It is, not, it is not something that is about to happen, but it is I am doing a new thing in the midst of your situation right now. Not, I'm not on standby. I'm not, not doing anything, but I am doing something in the midst of your situation right now. But the King James Version says, I will do a new thing. I will do a new thing. We need to understand both of those versions, but what I, I love about the King James Version is that it starts with one of my favorite words, and y'all heard me close with this one before. It says, behold, behold, I'm about to do something new. Behold, I'm about to change your circumstance. Behold, I am doing something in the midst of what you are going through. You may not like what you are going through. You may not like your situation. You may not like the circumstance. You may not like the message the pastor is preaching. But in the midst of what you are going through, behold, I am doing something new. Do you not perceive it? Behold, it is time to let go of your failures from last school year. Behold, it is time to let go of all of the guilt and you shame, shame you have around disappointing people. Behold, it is time for you to begin to look for the newness of God that is moving in your life. Behold, I am ready to set you on high places. Behold, I am ready to give you creative ideas and resources to launch ministries and churches and to do the things that you need to do for your life. Behold, I am about to send a new partner into your life. Behold, I have the right one that's waiting for you. Behold, I have all the opportunities for you. Behold, I am a God of abundance. Behold, I am a God that can change situations. Behold, I am ready to do something new. I'm ready to be a, for you to be a catalyst. I'm ready for you to be the change that you see. Behold, I'm moving in the midst of injustice. Behold, I'm moving in the midst of the Texas education system. 
system. Behold, I am moving in the midst of the Texas legislature. Behold, I am moving in the midst of these politics. Behold, I am the God that will do something new. I don't know about you today. I don't know about you today. But I'm in the midst of waiting on God to do something new. And here's, here's the fact that has always, always been true in my life since I've been alive. Every time chaos, stress, crazy, every time I do it or somebody else does it to me, behold, God does something new. Behold, God does something. Behold, God will do something new. Behold, God will do something new. When I screwed up my naval career as I was a rising star in the Navy, I probably would have been your first black gay out admiral, but I screwed the whole thing up. E1 and E6 in less than three years, it takes people 12 years to do it. I screwed the whole thing up because I didn't even understand what PTSD was. I thought I was weak. So as I watched people falling out of buildings and launched the attack on Afghanistan and saw messages coming back that I had a hand in killing people, it haunts me to this day. But God said, behold, God, I will do something new. I will raise you up and I will help you to speak to people and help heal people and move in people's lives. You don't have to stay stuck in your diagnosis. You don't have to stay in a situation in which you feel so much guilt and so much pain and so much shame. Behold, I'm going to take your pain and I'm going to turn it into power. I'm going to save souls. I'm going to save lives. My first relationship, that scoundrel. I pulled back. I already said something once today, and somebody been talking about, somebody been talking about my tongue. Y'all know my nickname is Reverend Potty Mouth, so I'm trying, I'm trying. Scoundrel. Scoundrel. I know we have guests today, and few children around. I'm trying to behave. Scoundrel. Lies. Lies. Just lies. He up at the job getting sex to remove people's cell phone deposits because he worked at a cell phone store. Oh, you got a deposit. Guess what? I can remove the deposit if you... It taught me a lesson. A very, very valuable lesson. If you don't trust the one you are with, and if they are not honest with you, you might as well not be in the relationship. Because cheating does not just happen at 9 p.m. on a Friday night. Cheating can happen during the day while folks are at work. And so I learned 
that the best thing to do is to build a relationship on honesty and trust and dialogue. You can do whatever you want to do, but don't lie to me. Lying to me will get you dismissed. Every turn in my life, every turn in my life in which it has brought so much pain, it is the very thing in which God has said, behold, I am about to do something new. I don't know about you today. I don't know if, well, I do know it's the word some of you need. I, I did, I said it's for more than one person. But it's an opportunity now. As we start this new church year, as we go back to school and people are coming back from vacations, it's a new opportunity, a new chance for us to leave the pain of what has happened behind us and to say, behold, I want to see the new that God is about to do. Amen? Amen. Amen. Hi, SPU family. Thank you so much for listening to St. Peter United Sermons podcast. We pray you were touched or moved by this sermon. To support what we do, show your love and press that follow button. For more content and news, follow us on social media platforms at St. Peter United. Remember, click, like, subscribe, and follow. See you next time.